Hey everybody. Just want to start off tonight. Uh, glad to see everyone here. Want to welcome any visitors we have here tonight. Um, you're our honored guests. We're happy to have you here, and uh, we hope you'll come back any chance that you have to be with us. Um, before any of you panic, I'm not the normal preacher here. Um, if you'll come be with us next week, Matt Miller will be up here where he's supposed to be. I will be down there where I'm supposed to be. Probably tied to the pew to keep me from getting back up here. <laughs> um, if you weren't with us this morning, you missed a great lesson. Um, Brother Danny Thompson's up here, did a great job. Um, coincidentally, he's the one that approached me about coming up here. So if you have any problems with me when this is done, just go see Danny Thompson. It's the guy right here in the front. Just direct your aggression to him. <laughs> um, I also want to apologize. Um, I'm a little old-fashioned when I do one of these. Didn't even think about a PowerPoint in the least, so sorry about that. I'll try and uh, speak loud and clear for everyone tonight. <clears throat> so I don't want to start out with a story uh, most of us already know. The parable of the talents is found in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. Um, and it reads, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far-off country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according as his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. <clears throat> After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Also, he who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So what exactly did the third servant do that was so wrong that brought him his punishment? He did nothing. He took his master's money and wasted it by not seizing the chance to make better of himself. Tonight we're going to look at a couple reasons as to why he may have done this. First, we know that in some cases to do nothing is sin. James chapter 4 verse 17 reads that, Therefore, to him to know the him who knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. 
Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16 also shows us that we should be wise in the decisions we make. It reads, Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So these verses let us know that to do nothing is sin, especially when you have the opportunity to do good with what you have and to make better. A lot of times fear scares us into questioning our faith, and that leads to wasting valuable opportunities like this lazy servant. He told his master, I was afraid. I went out and hid your talent in the ground. There's something I learned um, growing up in Bible class. We learned that there are two kinds of fears that keep us from taking advantage of our opportunities. And that can be trying to be a better Christian. It can be trying to share the word with others around us. It applies to many things in life. Um, we call them FOF and FOP. FOF stands for the fear of failure. A person with this problem will always be asking, what if I fail? Most of us have heard the saying, it's better to have tried and failed than to have tried nothing and to succeed at that. Failure is just part of trying things in life. It's all part of our learning system. You know, we learn from our mistakes. The real failure in life is the person who stops trying. So don't let fear of failure hold you back and stop you from seizing the moment. FOP stands for the fear of people. And there are many people out there that are just so scared of being criticized or being mocked by others that they, they won't ever attempt to try anything. And, you know, most of us come to find that it doesn't matter, you know, what you do in life. There will always be someone there to criticize it, you know. Whether it's constructive or not, someone will always have a different opinion to clash with yours more times than not. So don't let this stop you from seizing the moment either. You may miss an opportunity to spread the word to the lost around you. We have many examples in the Bible of people that overcome these fears and go on to be great servants for the Lord. Um, there are several that succumb to these fears, and there are consequences that come out of doing these things, and they miss many opportunities to do the right thing. Noah is one example. He didn't let his fears stop him. In Genesis chapter 6, we're told about the wickedness of man at that time, how their every thought was on evil continually. And this was so bad that God decided to destroy man and beast from the face of the earth. But we see in verse 8 that Noah found faith, or found uh, grace in the eyes of the Lord. And we all know pretty well what happens next with Noah. God commands Noah to build the ark to his specs. Um, he commands him to get two of every unclean, seven of every clean animal, male and female after their kind. In the end, Noah and his family are saved from the flood due to their faith and their obedience. <clears throat> now, we're not told specifically how long it took to build the ark, but during that building process, can you imagine the ridicule and the criticism he must have gone through from the people around him? There's no specifics given to this in the Bible, but you can imagine what people say or do, you know? When we try things and people tell us that we can't do it sometimes, Noah could have given in. He could have quit on the ark any time. But he didn't let fear of the people or fear of failure overcome his fear of God. Um, next, let's take a look at Moses and his struggles with fear. In Exodus 3, the angel of the Lord appears to Moses in the burning bush. God commands him to go down and lead the Israelites out of Egypt. 
And we all know how Moses, he went on to be a great leader with God's help. In the beginning, though, he was afraid. In verse 11, Moses says to God, well, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? You know, I mean, who am I that I should bring the children of Egypt or children of Israel out of Egypt? And Moses again says in verse 13, well, what will I say to them that asked of your name that sent me? And he goes on even into Exodus chapter 4. He says, suppose they won't believe me. And despite all the reassurance from God, all the signs and the wonders he shows him, trying to convince him, again, verse 10, Moses says, but I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. Fear of the people caused Moses to come up with excuse after excuse as to why he couldn't go. So, so much so that God finally gets a little fed up with him. In verse 14, God sends his brother Aaron to go with him to be a spokesperson. Despite all of this initial fear, though, Moses finally overcomes it, and he goes on to be a great servant of the Lord. Saul is another great example that we have. In Acts chapter 9, we see uh, Saul of Tarsus. He's on the road to Damascus. He's on his way to persecute Christians. As the chapter continues, we read that Christ speaks to Saul and asks him, why are you persecuting me? As the chapter continues, Saul makes a change. He's converted and is baptized. And we see in verse 20 that he immediately goes out and preaches Christ in the synagogues, proclaiming that Christ is the Son of God. In verse 21, it says that all who heard were amazed. They said, is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? Don't you think there might have been some people that just straight up didn't listen to Paul based on his reputation? Or some that saw him coming and was just like, mm -mm, I'm out. And went the other way. Do you think Saul was tempted to keep quiet because of fear of the people or fear of messing up? In verse 22 it reads, Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews in Damascus, proving that Jesus is the Christ. And even in verse 23, when the Jews were plotting to kill Saul and take him away, do you think he was tempted out of fear to quit and say, sure, I can go back to persecuting these guys. You know, this isn't worth dying for. But no, he didn't let his fear stop him from doing the right thing. Can we say the same? Or do we keep quiet out of fear? Do we run the other way like Jonah did? In Jonah chapter 1, when the word of the Lord comes to Jonah and commands him to go to Nineveh and cry out against the wickedness of the city, Jonah runs the other way. He gets, he gets scared. He gets on the next boat to Tarshish and tries to hide from the Lord. Do we hide our talents or hide our faith out of fear and run the other way in life? Do we miss valuable opportunities because of this? Do we make mistakes and do we try to cover them up? Do we fear people's criticism and fear of our failures being exposed so bad that we'd lie and do whatever it took to cover it up? In 2 Samuel chapter 11, King David, he's a man after God's own heart, he sees Bathsheba bathing on the rooftops, and he sends some of his people to go fetch her, and he commits adultery with her. Now when she comes later in verse 5 and tells David that she's pregnant, David tries everything he can to cover up his mistake. Instead of fessing up, he has Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, brought back from war, brought back from all the battles he's in, brings him home and tells him to go be with his wife, you know, try to cover this up. When that doesn't work, he gets Uriah drunk. 
And then again, tells him to go be with his wife. And again, this doesn't work. Uriah doesn't go down to his house. So finally, in verse 14 of that same chapter, David writes a letter to Joab, to the captain over Uriah. He tells Joab to set Uriah in the front of a heated battle and then tells them to all retreat away from him to make sure that Uriah is killed in battle. When word is brought back to David that Uriah has died, David blows it off. He thinks he got away with it scot-free, and his plan worked. In verses 25 and, or in 26 and 27, David seals the deal. He takes Bathsheba as his wife after she's mourned over Uriah, and then later after this, child is born. David thinks he dodged a bullet. He thinks he got away with it. But the end of the chapter tells us that this displeased the Lord, so much so that the Lord punished David. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 10 and 11, it says, Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house, because you have despised me, and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. And he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun. David let his fear guide his actions. And he had many consequences to live with after this. Even if we manage to fool everyone around us, everyone falls for it, everyone buys it, we think we've gotten away, God knows. God knows what we've done. And we'll have to answer for our fears that we let control us and cause us to make the wrong decisions. Are there some of you out there like King Agrippa in Acts chapter 26? We see Saul again. At this point, he's known as Paul. He's being accused of the Jews before King Agrippa. And before the king, he tells how he once persecuted the church, but now he's changed after Christ confronted him on the road to Damascus and tells how he was later baptized. And he tells King Agrippa about how he's now being persecuted by the Jews for preaching Christ. In verse 24, while Paul is making his defense, Festus speaks up with a loud voice and says that Paul is beside himself, that much learning has driven him crazy, that he's gone mad. When Paul point blank asks Agrippa if he believes the, pro if he believes the prophets, straight up tells him that he knows he believes in them. King Agrippa says, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. Does fear of the people around us or criticisms from our friends and family do they stop us from doing the right thing sometimes? Is it stopping you from putting on Christ in baptism? Are you almost persuaded like King Agrippa? Now stepping back into our parable we read earlier, each of the master's servants had one of two ways to use their talents. They could either get to work quickly, get the results that they needed to, get to work, get things done. Or they could put it off procrastinate a little bit, and ultimately get nothing done. Maybe the lazy servant, he was planning or getting ready to use his talent. Maybe he thought about going and digging that money up and doing something with it. But regardless, the master came back before he was ready. And either way, that's why it's so very dangerous to procrastinate. Don't put off until tomorrow what you can do today. Seize the moment while the opportunity is good. This parable of the talents should mean something to each of us as Christians and should be a warning to those of us that are not. One day the master will return to us, his servants, and he'll ask what we've done with our talents. So ask yourself tonight, what have I done with my talents? 
Has fear of failure or fear of the people caused you to hide your talents away? Have you put off becoming a Christian even though the opportunity is right here in front of you? If so, then you need to become one before the Master returns. We've looked at many examples tonight of people in the Bible to show us that we can't let fear get the best of us because there are consequences that we ultimately have to answer for. So to end tonight, I'll ask a question. Will you seize the moment tonight? Will you be the profitable servant? Or will you be almost persuaded like King Agrippa? Just come now as we stand and sing.